Welcome to the Nate Show. This is the Nate Show podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me and I appreciate that. You can follow me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Nate Cox Comedy, where they can keep up with stand-up comedy events, YouTube projects, and other things such as that. There is a separate podcast page that'll be at the Nate Show podcast on Facebook. And just in case you're not sure how you stumbled upon this podcast, it is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, CastBox, TuneIn Radio. You can even ask Alexa, say, hey, Alexa, play the Nate Show podcast and she'll just start playing it. How about that? So I appreciate you tuning in. Let's get right into it. So you might have noticed from the intro there that the... um, my social media has changed just a little bit, so if you're wanting to keep up with the show, as I mentioned before, you can now follow uh, just specifically this podcast on Facebook at The Nate Show Podcast, and you can also follow my other endeavors, whether that be stand-up comedy or you know, upcoming video projects that I'm working on, a couple of those right around the corner, and you can follow that at Nate Cox Comedy. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So just a quick update, and then once I post a podcast, you can also find links um, on those pages to the YouTube channel, to all the different podcast links. So anyway, uh, I don't want to do any more promotion. Well, I will promote one thing. Uh, next Friday, July 5th, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Comedy at the Grove. It'll be myself hosting a show uh, with Jen McKinney and the headliner Janet Williams, a.k.a. the Tennessee Tramp. So very excited to travel back to Oak Ridge and do all that. So I don't know why, for the life of me, that I always wait until late at night until I'm exhausted to record these, but that's kind of what it is, and I've got a couple topics that I want to talk about this week. One of the topics is a sort of follow-up on something I had spoken about maybe a month or two ago, and then another one is about a TV show that's very near and dear to my heart and very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, and... I want to say real quick, since I was already promoting stuff, there will be new podcast episodes next Monday and next Thursday, um, the holiday week here. Uh, there will be the the episode Monday will be a sports episode. The episode Thursday will be about the 4th of July itself. It'll come out on the 4th of July, so that's exciting. So I'll start with the um, the bad news first, I guess. I've got an article in front of me from the the New York Times about... Uh, I had mentioned before during the Kentucky Derby about the controversy of, you know, that horse was blocking another horse's path, and I always thought that was kind of silly because it's a race. You're not supposed to let the other person beat you, but whatever. Um, The whole thing's animal abuse anyway to me, and that's kind of, that was kind of the starting point because I was like, really? Like, that's kind of, that's where we're at. Like, we're abusing horses and letting them die, and we're worried about, oh, that horse didn't let that horse pass it, like, you know. So I found some data that backed up my take on that, and so I'm going to talk about that. Now, this is an article from the New York Times, and some of you may have seen this in the news. Uh, the Santa Anita Park's death toll reaches 30 racehorses. This, was, this article was posted on Sunday the 22nd of this month, uh, June 22nd. And I'll read a little bit here and there. I'm not going to read the entire article. You can go look it up yourself um, if you want. But it starts by saying another horse died at Santa Anita Park in Southern California on Saturday, the 30th since December 26th and the 4th this month, prompting the owners of what has become one of the deadliest racetracks in America to bar Jerry Hollendorfer, the horse's Hall of Fame trainer. It says that American Currency, that was the name of the horse, 
died after a training session Saturday. The horse was the fourth trained by Hollendorfer to die at Santa Anita Park since the meeting opened on December 22nd. And so it kind of talks about the investigations and stuff that are going on. It goes on to talk about that. And it says in March, the Stronach Group, which is a group that owns the Santa Anita and six other American racetracks, has implemented some of the most aggressive and wide-ranging drug and safety rules in America to protect horses at its tracks. And then here's a quote. Individuals who do not, excuse me, individuals who do not embrace the new rules and safety measures that put horse and rider safety above all else will have no place at any Stronach Group racetrack. They go on to say, we regret that Mr. Hollendorfer's record in recent month, months at both Santa Anita and Golden Gate Fields has become increasingly challenging and does not match the level of safety and accountability we demand. And they also go on to say that he is no longer welcome at, to stable, race, or train any of his horses at their facilities. Now, there's more details and stuff that talk about that, and I wanted to read one last thing here because this was the part that was the most alarming, as if um, that's not alarming enough. It says, towards the end of the article, Nearly 10 horses a week, on average, died at American racetracks in 2018 according to the Jockey Club's equine injury database. That fatality rate is two and a half to five times greater than in the rest of the horse racing world. So this seems to be primarily, I understand stuff happens in horse racing where you may have to put a horse down, but for those numbers to be that high, and simply just America is alarming for a lot of different reasons now. My general complaint in the beginning was just looking at it on the surface and just going without any numbers to back me up going, this is animal abuse and it's silly. It's absolutely silly that there's so much money being made off of it. But the part that really, whenever I first examined this, I examined it because I was trying to write a joke around it. And then I realized how appalling and absurd the whole situation is. And the joke was originally going to revolve around how stupid it was that we have all these fancy, high-minded, pretentious people dressing up in these ridiculous outfits and drinking their mint juleps and enjoying a quote-unquote sport that's animal abuse and torture and murder at the end of the day. We wouldn't tolerate that if it were dogs. Remember how remember how we killed, maybe that's not the right word, but remember how we killed Michael Vick? And I'm not justifying anything Vick did when it came to the dog fighting stuff. He was in the wrong, and he served his time for it, and he deserved it. And he's turned his life around since then. He's got a book out that I read it was 2000, I don't know when it came out. I remember reading it in 2015. But it, and it's a tough read because he goes into detail. He doesn't hold anything back about how he got into that business and, and how it all started and, and all that. But if it was a dog or anything else, and we really knew those numbers, but that's the problem is we don't know those numbers. One racetrack, 30 deaths this year. We're only six months into the year. That's alarming. That's something that we should look more into. Like, I, it's crazy. Like, I have never, ever, ever in my entire life been intrigued by horse racing. 
And I always thought it was just because I was a jerk. I always just thought it was me doing the thing that I do with a lot of things. Oh, this is a popular thing. I'm going to avoid it. I take a certain sense of pride in things that, and even though this, the next thing that I talk about after the horse racing stuff will kind of contradict this point I'm about to make, it is that I will avoid things that are popular just because I want to be different. And I find a certain pride in finding things that, you know, quote unquote, nobody knows about and just sort of you know, dealing with it. I've spent the last 11 years trying to find a movie on DVD. Like when if I'm in like a used, you know, those stores that sell like books and movies and CDs and stuff like I'll use. And if I'm like in a thrift store, I'm always looking for a movie called Dark Floors. It's a horror movie, even though it's not really scary. It's more weird than scary. And the reason that I look for it, and this is a total non sequitur here, the reason I look for it is because it was uh, it stars, and I think it was produced by a, a metal band from Finland named Lordi, L-O-R-D-I, not to be confused with the girl that sings, you know, Royals, whatever that song is. Um, my friend Alex, who's a friend of the show, listens to the show, so what's up, Alex? Um, he was in all kinds of metal and stuff in high school, and he would you know, buy different albums. And he gave me this one because it wasn't, you know, I guess it wasn't intense enough for him. And it, they're more stadium rock. They're closer to Kiss than they are anything else, to be honest with you. Um, although their content, as of late, has become darker. And um, I mean, I think their last album is called Sexorcism. So you can kind of do what they did with the wordplay there, and that's basically what the entire album was about. So anyway, in the in the beginning, though, I knew them as this album was The Eurocalypse, which is their kind of premiere album, and it's uh, they have the most hits, um, hits by them anyway, like for them. It was more on that album than there are any other album that they've ever done. But good album. I still rock out to it every now and then. But... Um, I always gravitated to them because I was like, nobody knows about these guys, especially here in America. And I, you know, then once they came over to America, they, they went commercial and their music has pretty much sucked since then. But, you know, that's kind of the way it works. But um, I always look for that movie because they were in it and, and all that. And it's like, it's just kind of to have something and know something, be part of something that's different. But that was always my thing against horse racing, back to that topic, which was like, I just always thought it was stupid. All these people, you know, think so highly of themselves and put on their stupid, you know, outfits and hats to celebrate, you know, horses running. It's like we make fun of NASCAR, but we're okay with horse racing. Like, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So, um, this whole thing with, um, all these different deaths and stuff, it's frustrating because the article ends basically talking about, you know, the divide of, you know, I'm actually just going to read this last part here. It says, on one side are horse breeders and owners who back a federal bill to create a uniform national standard for drug testing and medication rules in racehorses that would be overseen by the United States Anti-Doping Agency. On the other side are associations representing horse trainers and racetrack owners like Churchill Downs, which is the site of the Kentucky Derby, that says the reforms are too expensive and intrusive. So it, it comes down to... Basically, this is rich white people refusing to change, which, go figure, you know. Um, that's really the the starting and ending point on most things where there's dispute are rich white people that don't want to change. It's, it's kind of like this idea that lately um, we don't want uh, 
there are several groups of people that don't want the word owner to be used when referring to uh, a sports team. You, know, you always hear that a business owner, he's the owner of the Chicago Bulls. I have a poster right in front of me. The owner of the Washington Redskins, which is, that's two, that, in that sentence, there are two things that people would object to, the word owner and then the word, the term Redskins. I'm going to stay away from the Redskins thing. I'll talk about that in a different episode. Uh, but the word owner, it I don't think, that it hurts us in any way to just stop using that word. If it, if it's found offensive, if we're looking at it as, okay, well, these are, at the end of the day, they're owning black players. Well, we don't like that. Let's change that. Whether you agree that we should or not, it's overly PC, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're not losing anything by not calling them owners. Call them, you know, CEO, whatever, like, whatever controlling manager whatever you want to call it. if they don't like the word owners don't use that it doesn't hurt you in any way but it's a bunch of rich white people still going i don't want to change i'm going to keep calling it owner it's fine whatever so i want to transition into a lighter topic uh, now that we're what 13 minutes in here uh my favorite tv show one of my favorite tv shows it's not my favorite of all time but it's up there and it's a show that i can uh, tell you what line is coming next no matter pretty much no matter what episode I'm watching that of course is The Office now The Office is one of the most popular shows on Netflix it's one of the most popular shows of all time it's often quoted you'll see a lot of Dunder Mifflin t-shirts matter of fact I have one hanging up in my closet right now uh, but it happens to be news came out this week that um, I'll just read the tweet from Netflix US. It says, We're sad that NBC has decided to take The Office back for its own streaming platform, but members can binge watch the show to their heart's content ad free on Netflix until January 2021. So we've still got a year and a half with this, this wonderful show uh, on Netflix. And you know what? Like, I'm not here for anyone complaining. There's a million things, maybe not a million, but close to it on Netflix that you can watch. You're paying whatever it is, $10, or if you got like, you know, the H, the 4K, it's $15 a month, I don't know what it is, but the point is, like, there's a million things you can watch, you're getting your money's worth if you're on there once a day. If you love The Office, buy it on DVD, and or check out the NBC Universal streaming service whenever it comes out in 2021. Uh, there are other NBC, it looks like pretty much any NBC show that's on the streaming device uh, will be making its way over to that NBC Universal platform. Uh, so, you know, and, and that kind of includes two of my other favorite shows of all time, if that ends up being the case, which are Seinfeld and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, but if I want to watch those shows that bad, like I said, I can follow my own advice. I can either, you know, go watch them on... Uh, that NBC Universal streaming service, or I can go to my local, like I was talking about buying used DVDs earlier. I can go and sort of, yeah, I can look those, look for those, and find those, buy them on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, and watch them. And or I can, you know, Seinfeld's on TBS pretty much every night. I can set the DVR to record episodes, and I have to deal with commercials. But you know, heaven forbid, right? So there are options there. I mean, the net. You know, The Office is, is one of my favorite shows of all time, as I said before, and it's, it's endlessly quotable. And it's one of those rare shows that, you know, we have so many options now 
as far as what we can watch, all these different stimuli coming at us, whether it's stuff on our phone or our television, computer, uh, pretty much you've got options all the time of what you can be putting into your head and watching and consuming. And yeah, the, the office somehow throughout all of this is not only not lost any popularity, but it, it seems as if it's gained it in a lot of different ways. It's You see more and more people... Uh, maybe this is just me, but like I remember just a few years ago noticing that all of my Facebook friends were posting about drinking wine. It was like all of a sudden everyone had just discovered, oh, wine is a thing. It tastes okay, and there's alcohol in it. It was like you can go to your local grocery store and get like the, the budget kind. You can get three for ten dollars. You know, it's like wow, you can, get, you know, you get all these different wines. And I was just like, did we all? just discovered that at the same time. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with The Office. I feel like everyone just discovered a few years after it went off the air, they're like, oh man, this show's pretty good. And it is really good. And there's a lot of people in it that even if they don't have a lot, they're not in a lot of episodes, you recognize them. And they went on to do big things. And the, the cast itself was a very, very strong cast. And you know, being a remake of a British TV show, it did the original show justice and took it to a whole new level. And yeah, it's unfortunate to see it leaving Netflix, but first of all, you got a year and a half to watch it, and two, watch something else on Netflix. It's not going to kill you to watch something else or invest the $10 a month to watch NBC Universal. Like you're spending, I know this analogy gets used all the time, but if you go to Starbucks twice a week, there's $10 just right there. Like just in that week, you take that money and spend it on NBC Universal so you can watch The Office. Like who cares? So I don't want to spend a lot of time. On this episode, I don't really have much else. I, I'm itching to talk about sports, and um, I'll I'll do this real quick because the episode on July 1st is primarily about uh, NBA free agency starting, and there might be a little baseball in there and that. But when it comes to the NBA, uh, it looks like the Lakers finally figured out how to make that Anthony Davis deal work, and they sent uh, those other three players that they had to clear up some cap room they sent those to the Wizards so they've got 32 million which is enough for a max spot so they're entertaining different free agents here pretty soon uh, I think Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson both are willing to interview if things don't work out uh, elsewhere so I'm excited about that LeBron James is giving up the number 23 to Anthony Davis which is funny all those bandwagon people that went and bought LeBron 23 jerseys this past year are now going to have to buy more jerseys. He is switching back to number six, it appears. Um, if you're to take him at his word, he's been posting some cryptic stuff on social media, but that seems to be the direction that we're going. So I will not be buying one of those jerseys. As a matter of fact, I'll, I've got two Kobe Bryant jerseys hanging in my closet as we speak. Oh, and a Jalen Rose Nuggets jersey, which is pretty cool. Anyway, I've got those two Kobe jerseys, and I'll just be rocking those. I've got a couple... Lakers t-shirts, a Lakers hat, so like in a hoodie. So I think I'm pretty good to go uh, on that. I don't really need me LeBron gear. Um, I like his shoes, but I like Kobe's shoes better. So uh, that's where we're at there. So I don't really have much in the way of closing thoughts. Just a quick reminder, um, if you're still awake as you're listening to this, uh, July 5th, Comedy at the Grove, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, at the Grove Theater. Uh, myself, Jen McKinney, and the headliner, Janet Williams, a.k.a. the Tennessee Tramp. Uh, other things that I'm working on, if you're interested, and if you're not, just humor me here. Uh, there are, speaking of LeBron James and stuff like that, there are several athletes and people that 
do the entire barbershop thing where they just sort of sit in the barbershop and talk and whatever. And yeah, I'm kind of copycatting that. Uh, but there will be a YouTube and Facebook video coming out. Uh, I don't know if it will be ready next week, but definitely by the week after. Give you some content. Um, I'm very interested in the barber himself, which is why I'm doing the interview. Uh, because it's less about what I think and more about kind of his views on the thing. So you've heard me do an interview I'm still getting good feedback from the Tara Smith interview. It'll be kind of like that. I'll be doing more and more stuff like that. Uh, there is, There are a few segments of things that I'm going to do for YouTube and, and visually and incorporate it kind of under the Nate Show umbrella uh, that I'm very, very much looking forward to, but I don't want to say too much. In the past, I've over-promised and under-delivered, and I kind of want to flip-flop that so stay tuned for that you can follow me on social media at nate cox comedy you can see all that different stuff and there will be links uh, to the podcast pages on there as well so just keep an eye out for that so i appreciate you uh tuning in and i would encourage you to do some more research on that whole horse racing situation and just understand that that's really rough situation um i really don't enjoy talking about stuff like that but it's just something that that struck me um, as odd and absurd and just really bad all around and so I wanted to sort of share some of that so again I appreciate everyone tuning in uh, next episode will be brighter there'll be more and more conversation driven stuff although next week it's basically just going to be me as far as I know right now on the podcast so you got to deal with me but I will have some uh, entertaining and interesting guests coming on here really soon so stay tuned for that so hope to have you back again next time but if not i get it